This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Usual as usual in studio with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you this Good, morning? Good, Wally. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much. Uh, Coming up on the show today, at, uh, shortly after the first break, about 9.20, we'll be talking to Dave Stubbs, uh, uh, talking about the life of uh, NHL hockey uh, legend and local hockey legend, Mr. Jim Gregory. Uh, some tremendously fond memories. Uh, hockey loyalty was out to, uh, to uh, pay the respects to Mr. Gregory uh, yesterday afternoon in Toronto at his funeral services. And Dave Stubbs uh, wrote some pretty moving pieces in, at NHL.com. And um, we're pleased to talk to uh, Dave uh, about 9.20 this morning. And last back half of the hour, Naz, we're going to talk to Paul Kenny. Paul Kenny is, uh, runs the 11 o'clock show Sunday mornings here at Zoomer Radio. It's Mr. Mr. Storage Wars himself. <laughs> He's, he, he hosts a show called The Consignment Heroes, but uh, it's a show I've always, we bump into Paul every now and then in studio, show I've always wanted to do, uh, talking about sports memorabilia. There's a huge sports memorabilia show coming up in a couple of weeks at the International Center, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to talk to to uh, Paul about that, and we talk about the collectibles market. I, uh, you got any of those old hockey cards down in your no, basement? They're all, gone, they're all gone. Too bad. Yeah, I got. I, I, you know what? I, <laughs> I remember winning a draw on a Ace Bailey signed puck back in junior high school. I wish I had that puck. Yeah, we <laughs> there's a lot of stuff I uh, I wish I had. I think at some point in time, my mother put it all in a somewhere back in the 70s at some point and uh, threw it all away. We had no idea back then what, oh it, what it would all be worth. Save, managed to save we, a few we, of them. We used to play flipsies, topsies yeah, with those things. You remember you used to put them in the wheel spokes of your car? I mean, the kids nowadays would think you're nuts uh, how we treated our hockey cards or baseball cards or football cards for that matter. Uh, how we treated them back in the '60s and '70s. We used to put them in, put them in the spokes of our of our of our bicycles because we used to like the noise that it that it made when the, when, the, when, the, when you when you when you when you cycled around. Uh, managed to save a few of them. Uh, not so. Uh, not. Uh, I don't know how much they're worth. We, we can talk to Paul about that today. Uh, but uh, they certainly bring back a lot of memories. And every now and then you flip through them and you feel like you're ten years what old. Was the- game that you uh, put the cards out along the wall and you had to knock them down. Uh, Noxies, wasn't it? And then it was Noxies and Flipsies, and, and we're getting you, ahead of ourselves then, then, you, then you gather together and you get 90 cards because you guys the guy who uh, used to have all the corners were all frayed <laughs> and all that. And uh, if we had known then what we knew now, we would have saved them all and uh, they'd probably be worth a few bucks. But uh, if you, you know, we have a few and they bring back incredible memories. So we were talk to Paul Kenny about that this morning. Uh, he's an expert in the field. Naz, 
Toronto Maple Leafs, where else do you want to go? Uh, last night against they had an interesting week. Um, they took on the Washington Capitals earlier in the week. Uh, didn't get the result we would have liked, but uh, the performance wasn't that bad. Still missing Tavares, still missing Hyman. Uh, Muzzin was out last night. Game against the Flyers last night. Uh, and a, a reminder to all our listeners, if you haven't, uh, what do we, set our clocks back today? We're on Eastern Standard Time again. Uh, daylight time, we're consigning uh, putting it away till next spring. So what, what do we do? I always remember spring forward, fall back. Yeah. So it would be, if you didn't change your clocks at all, your clocks would be showing 10 o'clock. We're actually 9.08 a.m. right now. Um Leafs last night against the Flyers. Uh, you didn't see the game. I know, Naz, you saw the game. I was listening to Joe Bowen as I was driving home. Uh, caught the caught the um, last few minutes, the overtime in the shootout. They went to the 11th round in the shootout. I think it's a Leafs record. And uh, it was Andreas Janssen uh, pocketed, the, pocketed the victory for the Leafs. Um, not a great performance. Certainly we want to thank Freddie Anderson for it because he stole that game last yeah, night, didn't he? absolutely he? did. The, the, the Leafs played the first uh, 10 minutes, and then that was it. They outshot the uh, Flyers 10-1, and I think the shots on goal were like 42 to 26 at the end. So they got really outplayed in the last two periods and a half. Well, they can certainly thank Freddie Anderson for the game last night, and that's a pattern uh, from, from the last couple of years. Leafs tend to consistently at times get outshot in games, and uh, Anderson pulls uh, pulls out uh, pulls out all the stops, and he certainly did last night. A couple of disconcerting things about uh, the Leafs uh, so far, and uh, they seem to be taking more penalties than than the teams they play against. They are not one of the best penalty killing teams in the league. Last night. I counted up from uh, from the reports I heard. Uh, they had to kill off six or seven penalties, and they're not drawing penalties. So they, the, they the, have, the gap the gap between the penalties, uh, their P, the gap between their PK and their power play is they've got their PK units on the ice more than they've got their power play units on the ice, <laughs> and over the course, uh, that isn't going to lead to a successful season. So somehow they've got to manage that situation. Yeah, and they're killing penalties off in overtime. Quite a few of them, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense. They're a tame team. How do they get all, all these penalties? Well, it's it's the one the one area you know. Every, Nazem Kadri was here, and he had his critics and a couple of bonehead moves in the playoffs uh, a couple of years in a row. Um, lost his composure at the wrong time, and could be the reason he was. He was uh, shipped out of town for, for Tyson Berry. But the one interesting statistic about Nazem Kadri, and they, they may miss him in this area more than anywhere else, aside from the fact that he was one of the few, if only, players on the team that played with a little bit of grit or sandpaper, as they call it. Um, he, I think for the last two seasons in a row, not counting this year, I don't know how he's doing out in, in Colorado, Um he drew the most penalties of any other player in the league. And Naz, you constantly reminded me about that statistic. Uh, um, but he, he drew more penalties than any other player, not any other team, any other player in the league for two years in a row. Uh, pretty astounding statistic. It seems to be missed at this particular moment in time. Yeah, they're not, they don't get any penalties. They didn't get any called last year, too, though. They weren't on too many power plays. I don't know what, what's going on with that. 
it's not a conspiracy theory. No, I mean, you know, although Joe Bowen was really upset last night. I, I love listening to Joe. Uh, we, we get him on the show here every now and then. I was listening to him in the overtime, and and him and Jim Ralph are, are, are really fun to listen to. Uh, yeah, you know, they guy. really animate. I almost prefer listening to the game on radio than watching it on TV. Uh, but Joe's the best. He got really animated in the in the overtime last night because Leafs this week were drawing penalties. They, they I, I believe they had a penalty just before the end of regulation time that carried over into the overtime. Was it Kapanen? I think it was can't remember. Anyway, I think it was Kapanen. They had to kill that penalty, and then apparently Morgan Riley, I wasn't able to see it, but Joe Bowen uh, was going a little bit, uh, uh, got a little excited, uh, felt that there was an obvious penalty on Morgan Riley in the overtime, which the Leafs, which, sorry, which the referees didn't call. But you tend to think over the course of the season, those, they, 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 they even out. I, I, I really, I'm not one of these guys who thinks that the, there's a conspiracy out there that the NHL wants to benefit this team and that team. And, you know, everybody's ganging up on the Leafs. I, I, I think the refereeing in the NHL, however you want to criticize it, it's a really tough game to officiate. Mm-hmm. Things happen. Very, very, very quickly out there. I quite frankly think it's the best officiated refereed league in all of professional sports. Mm-hmm. I, I put the NF, I put the and NHL referees NFL. up against any, any, um, umpires in baseball, the NFL, uh, um, referees, they get it wrong half the time. I may be exaggerating, but you know, you get the point. Mm-hmm. And the NBA, the NBA referees actually are, criticize you know in toronto because we think they're ganging up against toronto and we've had that discussion on the show the nfl referees to me are the best in professional sports nhl right nhl sorry uh nhl referees are the best in professional sports uh they're pretty professional uh they do a a really great job concerning what happens out there, and you know the reality is they're 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 going to miss a call every now and then. It's it's impossible. They're not perfect. The only criticism I do have may not be directed towards, maybe not directed towards the referees themselves because they're instructed uh, how to referee these games in the sense that they always uh, review their performances. The NHL. People at the NHL offices review the performances. They get criticized. Uh, the NHL gives direction in, in terms of what they want to see called. Man, there's a lot of lousy stuff that gets called nowadays. Little taps on the wrist, little taps on the shins. You know, you just tap a guy and, you know, he goes a little bit off balance and it's a penalty. I mean, I mean, some of the stuff, it just, it, it seems you know, hockey's a physical game. You got to take a little bit of, a little bit of contact that's a little bit off. I mean, you know, you tap a guy on the wrists. You know, is it really the end of the world? Do you got to call penalties for all of this stuff? But they don't seem to be calling penalties on the opposing team when it comes to Toronto. <laughs> how does well, it's spoken like a true Toronto Maple Leaf, Leaf fan. Yes, I mean, every. I mean, I will tell you, Naz. Every team in the league, every fan in the league will have probably have the same complaint. Uh, you know that, and I know that, and we kid about it. You know, uh, you know. I've uh, never complained about the refereeing on this show. So, <laughs> I, I so you, you registered your first complaint today? No, no. I I think it'll all even. Right, but you, you have to think in a game. You know, the Leafs are not the most physical team out there. Let's call a spade a spade. I mean, you know, they're not they're not head hunting. Um, they're not known for their chippiness. Their their penalties tend to be this little 
tug, those little tugs you give when something the other guy's got it, a little tap on the knee that pushes a guy a little bit off balance, a little tug on his glove that, you know, a little tap on the stick. You know, that tends to be the Leafs' body of work when it comes to penalties these days, and it just seems so chintzy. But in today's NHL, those are considered penalties. Well, and, 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 and you get a game, like, and it's happened a few times. How do you get a hockey game where one team gets six or seven penalties and the other only it's one? Fun, like, yeah. what's, like, you know, you, you would you would think the referee would want to find something to even it up a little. I mean, we all know. I mean, how many times have, have you know, you, you're watching a hockey game, especially when Bob Cole and, and, and especially when Harry Neal was the color commentator, he would literally predict the next penalty is yeah, against this that. team because the last two have been against the other team. So the refs are looking to to find a penalty against a team so you get you get a game where you know most of the penalties are against one team you know are the leafs really committing all the penalties in that game i guess by the standards of today's nhl they are and they've got to they've got to figure out a way to stop it you know they always use the cliche you got to keep your feet moving cuz a lot of these penalties arise because you're a step behind the other player or or you know and you've got to you sort of got to catch up with them you got to tug them a little bit and in today's NHL, they call that. And right now, it's killing the Leafs. If there's one statistics more than anything else, that uh, not that it's killing the Leafs. If you wake up this morning, the Leafs in the standings. If the if the season ended today, they'd actually they're actually in the playoffs, which is kind of hard to believe. But they, believe, they're a wild card as of this morning. Can you believe they're only two points away from last year at this time? It, it's two it's, overtime it, ties. But, but I, I guess the expectations on the Leafs are so high this year. Uh, the expectations are so high. Um, we 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 thought we would, you know, all the contracts, all the money was spent. We made some changes on the defense. Muzzin's here for the whole year. Tyson Berry's supposed to be better than Jake big, Gardner. Big disappointment there. You know, big uh, disappointment. Tyson Berry. So far, we'll we'll see what happens. It's the body of works not he's, complete yet, it's but not, it's not good for his contract. He's making 2.75 and if he plays this way Yeah, he, you know, we we thought we we thought we thought we'd be better on the D and yeah. uh so far we're not better. Uh the young guys haven't really stepped up. You know, if you got to keep seeing Marinson out there, God bless him, you know. Um if he's got to get the kind of minutes he's seen in some games, you know, quite frankly, it's not a step forward. Uh, to be to be charitable. Anyways, on that note, Nez, uh, we've got to go to break. We'll come back after the break. We're going to talk to Dave Stubbs, and we're going to celebrate the life of Jim Gregory. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest. We'll never be the cheapest. We'll never be the snazziest dressed. What? Yeah, my point is... We want to be the best! At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. 
Real Tours Media, creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. Downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. On the internet, Live video streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, National Hockey League columnist and historian at the National Hockey League. He writes features and produces multimedia for NHL.com and the NHL Network, Dave Stubbs. Good morning, Dave. How are you this morning? Good morning, Walter. Just pulling into Union Station <laughs> in an Uber. It's uh, been a very long, uh, very special couple days uh, in Toronto celebrating the life of Jim Gregory. Yeah, I, I'd, uh, first of all, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. I know that uh, you're under some time pressures this morning. and No worries. The, the perils of live radio, unfortunately. Uh, I knew you came into Toronto and uh, you're on your way back to Montreal. And we really appreciate you taking the time for us. Anyways, uh, Dave, we really wanted to have the opportunity uh, to uh, in some ways this morning celebrate the life of, of Jim Gre- Gregory, or as you refer to him, Mr. Gregory. So I'll, uh, I, I know that uh, you have the highest respect uh, for the life and work of, of Mr. Gregory. I know yesterday um, 
It must have been a very solemn uh, moment over at the funeral services. Hockey royalty, out of the respect, the tremendous respect that uh, the NHL community had for Mr. Gregory, uh, showed up yesterday, uh, the commissioner, so many others, so many other general managers, and uh, so many of the players that played. Uh, he had such an incredible career, starting with his days at St. Mike's, and of course, from those days, Frank Mahovlich and David Keon, going through to Boria Salming, to Daryl Sittler, to Lanny McDonald. Uh, the whole hockey, NHL hockey, the world hockey community came together to celebrate his life, and we We'd like to give you the opportunity at this moment in time to share with our listeners uh, your thoughts uh, on Mr. Gregory. Well, I'll tell you something, Walter. The first thing that really impressed me, actually startled me when I saw it, I saw this this elderly gentleman sitting between Daryl Sittler and Lanny McDonald in the church uh, yesterday. And we were outside, and I pulled Lanny aside. I said, Lanny, forgive me, but I didn't recognize that gentleman. Who is he? And Lanny said, it's Al McNeil. And the light went on. I mean, Al McNeil, of course, coached the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup in 1971. Uh, Alice from the Maritimes. Well, it turns out that Al McNeil was one of the very early roommates of uh, Mr. Gregory at St. Mike's. And he came in, presumably, from his home in the Maritimes to be here for the ceremony. Um, You're right about the royalty that was there. Uh, The influence and the impact uh, that Mr. Gregory had on so many lives is just remarkable. But as it was a little bit of a solemn moment, indeed, it was also a great celebration of his life. Uh, Mr. Gregory's son, David, eulogized him and spoke of his, uh, his love of life, his love of having fun with his family, uh, of getting to the dinner table dripping wet because he had to have that one last swim, uh, of being really a man who was all about inclusion, about a gentleman who would take uh, uneaten food in hockey arenas and take it outside to the homeless and make sure they had a bite to eat when they might otherwise not have had anything to eat that day. So, you know, you talk about a life that has, you know, transcended the sport. Um, Mr. Gregory certainly is uh, is one of those people I have called uh, three hockey people in my life by the name Mr. Um, not to their satisfaction. They always said, you know me well enough, you can use my first name, but of course I never could. One was uh, Mr. Beliveau, uh, one was Mr. Howe, and one was Mr. Gregory. And when I joined the National Hockey League and started spending more time with Mr. Gregory, he'd say, for heaven's sakes, you can call me Jim. I'll say, okay, Mr. Gregory, whatever you say. It's one of those things. He was sort of the most respected school teacher that you had. You could never call him by the first name when you saw them later in your life. Well, um, Mr. Gregory's impact and his influence in the game of hockey, uh, from St. Mike's to the Toronto Marlies, winning a couple of uh, Memorial Cups with them, uh, going to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a decade, and then going to the National Hockey League for 40 years. Uh, the, the impact that he had on the game of hockey, uh, the influence that he had, was just remarkable. And his, his legacy is that. I mean, it is uh, the work that he has done, uh, the, the people with whom he came into contact, and everyone uh, at the funeral home uh, over about five hours on Friday, and then at the uh, funeral service yesterday, Everyone spoke to the common theme of just uh, how much he meant to everyone who was there. We're talking to Dave Stubbs. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, he's he had such an incredible career, um, uh, J- uh, Jim Gregory. Um, there, but there's part of it I always remember. The part that sticks out for me more so than than any of it, it's hard to believe, but uh, the, the 60s were such an influential time period. We were growing up at the time, and it's Toronto. It's a Toronto, you know, he's got his start at St. Mike's. Um, 
general. He started as a trainer, interestingly enough, I guess in the, yeah. in, in the 56, 57, graduated to, uh, and that was the time when Dave Keon and, and Frank Mahovlich were there and many others for that matter. Uh, general manager of St. Mike's last time they won the Memorial Cup. He was the general manager. Of course, that was a, a leaf sponsored, uh, OHL team moved on to the, and I remember the Marlies more than any, if hard to believe he had 10, 10 great years and with the Leafs during the seventies. But I remember him more as the general manager of some fantastic Toronto Marlboro teams, the 64 team, which, uh, Many consider the greatest junior hockey team of all time and, and the 67 team and, uh, the, the whole start at St. Mike's and graduated through the ranks. Uh, you ever get a chance to talk to, to, to Jim about that and, uh, where he developed such a passion for hockey? We spoke about it at some length as we would sit in his office. I wrote at some point this week that um, one of the things that I always made sure of is that I had a full mug of coffee when I went into his office because I would sort of lob a small little nugget that I had about hockey history onto his desk and he would return a couple of gold ingots. Uh, he just would sort of open his own memory banks and these things would come pouring out. Um, I had a really interesting talk a couple of days ago with Rod Sealing. Rod was one of the guys I wanted to reach out to speak with. I think Rod's 74 now. And he played, um, actually, Mr. Gregory was his trainer at St. Mike's. Uh, he was his coach and his general manager with the Marlboros. And he would have been his general manager with the Toronto Maple Leafs when Rod came to the Leafs in the mid-70s. Uh, and he spoke about um, the fact that he had been a bit of a forward and had been, you know, had been played a bit of defense as well. And at the beginning of the 1964 season, he went to Mr. Gregory and said, listen, like, you know, you have some incredible talent up front. And you may be a little bit weaker on the back end. Why don't you just put me on defense? Because you know you're going to put me there before the season's over anyway. And sure enough, uh, Mr. Gregory just said, okay, sure, let's do that. And so Rod Sealing went back to defense, and that's where he played, what, more than 800, roughly 800 games in the NHL as a blue liner uh, for a number of teams. Um, so I think that, you know, everything, everywhere that, that, that Mr. Gregory went, he was learning. He was picking things up, and Dave Keon spoke to me about that. He said that he was a really good study where he was a trainer, and Rod Sealing joked about it. He said, you talk to someone about being a trainer in the NHL today. I mean, these guys, there's so many different, you know, specialties of uh, sports science, medicine, and so on. Trainers in those days were jacks of all trade. They were, they'd sew jerseys and they'd sew eyebrows, you know. So, I mean, this is what these guys did in their, uh, in their days. Um, so, you know, he went from being a trainer to a coach, to a general manager, to a very influential, uh, very impressive executive for 40 years, uh, 50 years counting his years with the Maple Leafs. So it was an amazing thing just to listen to all these people talk about all of the different uh, avenues that Mr. Gregory would have walked where their paths may have crossed. So that, to me, was the most impressive thing. It, I was When I arrived at the funeral home on Friday, Walter, uh, I could not believe the number of people who were there. And you saw lots of former NHL players and NHL executives. And I got in line, and it was 70 minutes, 7-0, from the time that I arrived at the back of that line until I was shaking hands with his widow, Rosalie. And she just was shaking her head, saying, I just can't believe this many people have come out. And I told her that uh, the strength that she had, and it's something that I wrote to in my column on NHL.com today, that the strength that I saw of her greeting people and offering solace and uh, and comfort to them you know, these people were coming to comfort her, and by the time they got to the front of the line with the flowers and the coffin, they were just very emotional. She reminded me very much of Elise Beliveau, uh, whom I know very, very well. And I watched Elise Beliveau as I watched Nancy Bauer, as I watched Andra Kelly, as I watched all these incredibly strong women who guided families and lives 
through the years while their husbands were, you know, running hockey teams and traveling around uh, North America, playing or coaching, managing hockey. What uh, what Rosalie uh, Gregory exhibited to me on the weekend was something that I think is really quite uniform among women who marry into into hockey. Uh, they marry hockey as much as they marry husbands, <laughs> and she was absolutely remarkable. Her family was was fabulous. Uh, there was not a foot out of place through the last two days, uh, through the visitation and the funeral. Uh, and I think that uh, Mr. Gregory would have been pleasantly embarrassed by the attention, <laughs> but that's the kind of humble man he was. Dave, tell me a bit about uh, his relationship with uh, Harold Ballard. You know, one of the really interesting things about that is when Mr. Gregory was fired by the Maple Leafs in 1979, he did not even know that he had been fired. Uh, he was up at his cottage, and the phone rang, and it was Brian O'Neill, then executive vice president of the NHL, uh, who was working at that point for commissioner or president, uh, John Ziegler. And uh, Brian O'Neill said, we'd like to, you know, we want to expand our central uh, scouting bureau. We'd like you to come to work for us. And Mr. Gregory said, well, I have a job. And Brian O'Neill said, um, no, in fact, you don't. Uh, he had been fired, and I guess it was in the news, but being up at his cottage, Mr. Gregory wasn't aware of it. And I read a story that ran on the Toronto Sun. It would have been several months later, well, August of 1979. And uh, Mr. Gregory was speaking to the fact, he said, I, want to speak to Mr. I wanted to speak to Mr. Ballard to make sure it was okay that I took his job. Because at that point, he would have essentially been working for all the other general managers in the league. And that's the esteem in which he held Harold Ballard. I mean, if ever anyone had an axe to grind or could have been bitter, um, you know, it, it, it would have been Mr. Gregory. But he just chose to take the high road, and, you know, he never had a bad word to say about him, or in fact, about anyone. And Dave Keon made me laugh when I was speaking with him while I was, I was talking to Davey. Uh, he was talking about Harold Ballard. So we had an owner who was a bit different. And I started to laugh, and I said, different might be the most interesting and charitable description I've ever heard of Harold Ballard and his, and his term running some very, very, um, I don't even know, dysfunctional Toronto Maple Leafs teams. Uh, we're talking to Dave Stubbs from NHL.com. We're talking about and celebrating the life of uh, of Jim Gregory. Just on uh, your assessment, why, how, did, how do you, how do you, how would you, uh, have you ever had a, a conversation at any point in time with Jim, how he survived 10 years with Harold Ballard? Well, how did he really feel about Harold? I mean, he had to, he had to go to work for this man for 10 years. And I saw some quotes where uh, Jim actually you know, he's, he seemed to be such a positive guy. And he said, well, you know, Harold did some good things, too. It just it, there was no negative bone in Jim Gregory's body at all, it seems. No, there wasn't. And that's the thing that we all spoke to uh, yesterday and on Friday. If, if ever there were a guy who certainly could have had a beef about some things going on, uh, Dave Keon said, look, here's a guy who was trying to manage a team with one, one arm tied behind his back and, and, and the owner looking over his shoulder. Well, lots of us have gone to work for bosses who we don't necessarily get along with. We have philosophical differences and so on. I'm sure that existed in spades with uh, Mr. Gregory and Harold Ballard. But you know what? All of you, he was uh, one of these classic quintessential team men, right? It was all about the team. It was all about being loyal to the team, and it was running that team to the very best of his ability. So no matter how he was hamstrung by Harold Ballard's interference, he just kept on doing what he did. He just put his nose to the grindstone every day and went to work and did the very best that he could for some teams that, uh, you know, he, he was kind of cut off at the knees in a lot of ways by some of the things that Ballard did. And Harold was a very weird cat, as we all know. But, um, you know, Mr. Gregory just did the best that he could under some very trying circumstances. And it was uh, it was fascinating to, to speak with him over the years just about that relationship. Um, all that he had were, were good things to say about people. Here's a guy who, when Johnny Bauer retired, 
I mean, you know, Johnny barely had the word retiring out of his, from between his lips, and Mr. Gregory was hiring him as a scout and as what we believe to be the first goaltending coach in NHL history. Um, and when I spoke with, uh, with Mr. Gregory after Johnny Bowers' memorial on the 3rd of January 2018, sat in his office, and I said, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the service today? And he said, 200. You know, uh, the number of people who came up to Mr. Gregory who wanted to speak with him and have uh, just, you know, share some memories. Uh, the line was, was long, and uh, the line was long as well with his wife and his family at the funeral home on Friday. And all of us gathered on the church steps and uh, in the church yesterday. We were all telling stories. We were all laughing. We all had uh, great things to say about him. It was um, just a fabulous celebration of, uh, of a very, very special life. And uh, he's a gentleman uh, that uh, none of us who ever came in contact with him will ever forget. Well, on that note, uh, Dave, uh, I know that you've got to uh, you've got to get yourself back to Montreal, and you've been so generous with your time this morning. Uh, I, I, I encourage our listeners. You you have material. You uh, post. Uh, you write for NHL.com. You're one of uh, one of the great hockey historians. Uh, encourage our listeners to uh, to look you up and follow uh, follow the writings that you put there and. And we can only thank you so much for coming on this morning and helping us uh, and sharing your thoughts of a man that you uh, have such respect for and the rest of the hockey community does as well. David, thanks so much. My pleasure, and I just want to publicly thank Ali, my Uber driver, who has sat patiently here in front of the Union Station with me for 10 minutes while I've been on the, on the phone with you. I'm sure he could have been running other people elsewhere in the city, but I thank him for that. Too. Thank you for having me. It was a very special two days here in Toronto. Thanks so much, David. Appreciate it. You bet. David Stubbs. Anyway, we've got to go to break. When we come back from break, we've got Paul Kenny in the, in the house this morning from the Consignment Hero Show here on Zoomer Radio, Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. We're going to be talking sports, memorabilia, and collectibles. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we realized that our extra-large pizza is two whole inches longer than the so-called extra-large from the big pizza conglomerates. How do they even call theirs extra large when Pizzaville gives you 18 whopping inches steaming hot? Because, let's be honest, who wouldn't want two more inches? Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. 
When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner, we'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Opinions expressed on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Uh, we're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour the host of the Consignment Heroes, Paul Kinney. Consignment Heroes, of course, is on uh, Zoomer Radio. It's on at 11 a.m. Sunday morning. So uh, from 10 to 11, uh, we're off the air. And then at 11 o'clock, Paul Kenny comes on with the Consignment Heroes. Paul, welcome. How are you doing? What a great interview. Thank you so much. You know, I'm going to say I listen to you guys. And the part that I get is I'm always afraid. You've got a great interview going, and I'm looking at my clock. And it's 9.58, and I know it's about to end, you know? And that's a real shame because sometimes I've, I've listened to other stations, they'll have an interview going, and all of a sudden, said, no, keep on talking, and then they'll go to a commercial. You don't have to stop. You've got someone great on right now. You're getting perspectives that other people don't get to get, yeah. you know? And I, I just, I was oh, listening I appreciate, to I appreciate the comments, and... Uh, no, but it's not your only great interview. Yeah. You've had many others oh, before. We do. We, okay. You know what? It's, it's for us, as I've, you know, we We've expressed on the air. We're just a couple of fans on the air. We don't pretend to be anything other than we're not, and we're having fun. And I'm genuinely interested in what our we, we we're genuinely interested in what uh, our guests have to say. And we we it, for Naz and I, it's a passion. We want to talk about your passion. Oh yeah, as it intersects with our passions. And I and we've we've chatted around the studio for for years. And uh, this is a show I've wanted and Naz has wanted to do for a long time. Uh oh. Because I guarantee you, by the time this interview's over, I'm going to feel like I'm 10 years old again. That's the whole idea. We're recapturing our childhood at vastly inflated prices. So, when to, you're buying it. <laughs> to give our, give our listeners an idea, uh, that perhaps don't listen to the consignment heroes after they hear you today. If they don't listen, I'm sure they're going to want to. Uh, you, uh, you do a show, uh, you're an expert on, on collectibles. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, our particular, Emphasis here is on sports memorabilia, which mm-hmm. is a huge, huge market. 
Oh. And there's a big show coming up in Toronto. Tell us all about the show and your involvement in the show. Well, I'm not involved yeah. this time. Normally, I have done it before. It's November 15th to 17th up at the International Center. Okay. And what we tell in our show is people have stuff at home. We'll go back later on in the interview. We'll yeah. talk about it. It's like where you have to get stuff graded or slabbed or authenticated. But at this show, November 15th to 17th, they've got at the International Center, they've got uh, Matt Sundin's there, Brad Park, uh, Trish Stratus from wrestling. Wow. So, and they got uh, Dominic Hasek, who's made me a lot of money a number of years ago. Uh, no, what a great goalie. You could bet Dominic, Dominic the Dominator. Money, the best goalie <laughs> money Hasek. So, I don't want to talk about Yvonne Cornway, which I've had as a guest, a great guy and funny. You know, when you get to talk to him after, when they're just sitting there, yeah. but when they're talking to him, I'd like you'd, you'd be good interview for you guys. Uh, oh, we've, had him, Hall, we've had him on the show three times. I ran into yeah. him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, no, he's just a great good guy. guy. Yeah. Good guy. Uh, Bobby Hull's going to be there. Uh, Netamansky from oh, wow. the Toronto Toros. Netamansky. I've, I've got a guy who says he's got one of his original jerseys. Um, Dougie Gilmore. Just, okay. you know, just... we're talking who's who. Alan Bester, Pat Borders, who did me a dirty. Cito Gaston, great talker. He's a guy you have to meet. Um, Ronick, Ray, Raycroft, uh, Dennis DeJordy. Dennis DeJordy. A lot of the old guys and some of the new guys. Uh, Les Binkley, Chris Chelios. You know, I think it's overloaded with Boston guys this time. You know, a couple of those names, a couple of those names you just mentioned, I brought down one memorabilia item okay. for you to look at. Okay. It's, I, I, it's, uh, I keep this in, I keep this in my safety deposit box. It's a, it's a program. It's a program from the NHL Players Association golf tournament in 1970. And it's signed by Dennis DeJordy. Okay. Les Binkley. <laughs> what a and, 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 and a whole Bobby Hall, okay. Bobby Orr, and a whole bunch of other guys. But I only brought this to your attention because you just ran through Dennis DeJordy and Les Binkley. And I go, I know who those guys are. But I got to ask you, uh, Naz and I, uh, and I'll turn it over to you, Naz, uh, uh, right now. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're little overgrown kids when we come down to the studio. We yeah. just have a lot of fun. We're 63 years old, going on 10 when yeah. it comes to hockey cards and sports memorabilia. Uh, you know, we all, we, we all, uh, collected this stuff in the 60s. And, we, you know, we had no idea, no idea it was ever going to be worth anything. But that's not even the point. It's, it's worth the memories more than anything else. Um, but tell us, if we have, and I, I've got a few of them left over, not many. Mm -hmm. um, what are they worth? Depends on. Okay, what are they like? How do you, how do you even approach the question? Like this whole, did oh, they okay. call? There's near mint and VVS, and they grade oh. them and and all that stuff. Tell us, tell our listeners the entire thing about the hockey cards. And I'm going to bring you back to 1967. Okay, you're opening a pack. On the top of the pack is Bobby Orr. You're playing closest to the wall. Yep. Out of that pack, that card is $30,000. Now. Now. If you, you, if you pull it out of the pack. Yeah. And now you throw it against the wall. It hits the wall. Ding is the corner. It's not worth 500 <laughs> Okay. Just as easy as that. It's all condition, condition, condition. Well, we, um, uh, it's like a 60 or is a big card. Even a, a regular card out of that series is worth $300 if it's in perfect condition. And this is the problem that people put them in their spokes closest to the wall. And these cards from your kids, you're nine years old. You're going like this, got them, got them, need it, need it. Yep. And you're just throwing them off to the side. And it's like, but the ones, the guys who have them in perfect condition, like I saw, 
Uh, he didn't want to show it. A guy in his basement yesterday had a one box of cards about the size of this Kleenex box worth a little over a million. Holy a little God. over a million. Okay. What but was it? 1952 um, baseball set. Oh, ba- the worth- whole set. Yeah, nine, one to four oh seven. He's missing two okay. cards. Okay, we were talking, and he hasn't shown it to me yet. But yeah. I know I sold him some of the cards back thirty years ago, and that's uh, it's literally that big. This is this Kleenex box, and that's a million dollars. And they're in people's basements. People have them. I talk about they have lottery tickets now. Even the sixty-seven sets worth, I don't know, fifty thousand, sixty thousand. You have one in mint. Okay. How many, how many mint sets actually are, like, how many people actually in those days save them for the purposes of saving them in mint condition? How many no. of these can exist? No, I need the kid who, um, either lost them. They lost them. See, more damage is done. Okay. They've been sitting in that basement for 50 years. More damage is done in the first 10 minutes as someone discovers them as a, as an adult and they start rifling through them. Okay, and they'll ding the corner. That that kills it, or a crease kills it. If they're in good shape and glossy, that's part of it. I mean, even just having the old pack residue on it. I know some people they they know this, but this is when they were kids. They were opening those packs. Those packs were five cents. An unopened box, probably worth two hundred thousand. If you do had these a sixty, even exist. Yes, they unopened do. boxes. Yep, uh, we did the archival work at um, at Opeachy. And they had an unopened box of 52s with the high numbers. That's probably worth, I don't know, two million. Wow. Now, but wow. people could have these in their basements. They could be lost away. It'll be a dealer who, who bought them, bought them, bought them, and they sold them as they were doing, and they had one box left over, seasons over, put in the basement. Your, you know time, I mean? your time on storage wars. Yeah. Do you ever get a, a tra- uh, trailer or a storage trailer? With hockey cards in it? We had some, but very little, very little. This is stuff that's got to be in the 80s. Because if someone's putting it into a locker, unless they're doing it for their parents and it was in the bottom of a drawer or something, most of the time they'll, oh, this is kind of worth some money. I'm waiting for people who haven't seen them in 50 years. But in the lockers, we had some comics, um, but uh, generally they don't. But we... Well, famously, we bought a comic collection that was stored in a locker. We they sent to auction. We bought for five thousand. Ended up being worth a little bit over a hundred. Oh, just uh, our yeah. listeners, if uh, you don't recognize the voice, if you're not listening at eleven o'clock in the morning on Zuba Radio, we're talking to Paul Kenny this morning. Paul Kenny hosts the Consignment Heroes here at Zuma Radio, eleven o'clock Sunday mornings. He's a collectibles expert, and uh, as we're fascinated mm-hmm. to talk to him this morning about uh, some topics that are near and dear: hockey cards, baseball cards, football cards, programs, programs. Um, is there is there a date? In hockey card, um, I wouldn't want to call it history. I mean, we collected cards. I mean, I got some 50s parkies and some 60s. And, you know, most kids stop buying cards, what, when they're 10, 11, 12 years old? And they go into comics, yeah. And then you go into comics. Uh, in those days, and then, then there, I, I remember in the late 80s, there was there was a there was a there was a memor- there was a hockey card baseball card boom. Oh yeah, um, where all of a sudden people woke up and said, "Wow, this stuff's worth something." Is there a date in 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 sports cards where if it's before that date, it's sort of take a look at it, and if it's after that date, 
it's probably not worth a hell of a lot unless it's extremely rare because everybody stopped, everybody started collecting it and they left it in boxes. Yeah. Uh, 1988-89. And what happened here is a classic case where, and I talk about on the show and other things, it's like, um, they, Honus Wagner, I think, just sold for $400,000 at That's that all? time. No, oh, but, and but at that back, time. Back then. So other people start thinking of hockey cards as being worth money. They start producing hockey cards and they marketed them well. Like in 19, 19- 91, I bought of one, one kind of card, I bought 15,000 cases. And now the entire run would be a thousand cases. That's how much they overproduced it. I mean, they overproduced it. It It's like they kept on making until they ran out of ink and paper type of thing. And that kind of stuff, people were investing in because they thought it was all going to keep on going and going. And which sometimes happens. I remember I sold a case of upper deck, uh, French hockey. And I got 13,000 for it for one case of cards that they made two weeks earlier. Now on this case here, it went, it went on to go to 16,000 US. So I gave up, didn't make that last 13,000. I mean, last 3,000, but now those same boxes were $50. Wow. So that's where people, and that's, yeah. that's a really legitimate point there. Now you can enjoy it, but don't invest in it. When we were buying, when you were buying it back in 1960, you were just enjoying it. It was five cents a pack. Five cents a pack. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the gum is what we bought it for. No, but. Hey, I, mean, I know. I, I remember, I mean, I mean, you opened a pack and it was the most, it was the most boyish experience. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Naz, I'm sure you remember it. You'd open a pack and you were looking for, your favorite player. Yeah. Right. And if I was opening a pack of baseball cards in the early 1960s or the mid 60s, I was looking for Mickey Mantle. Yeah. And if I got a Mickey Mantle, man, I was happier. I was the happiest kid on the block for the next week because I was looking. I wanted Mickey Mantle. Yeah. If I was opening up a hockey card thing, I was looking for Jean Beliveau. I was looking for Dave Keon. I was looking for Ivan Korn. And like, you're looking for your, and like, yeah. you're, and you're opening them one at a time. And you say, oh, 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 that, and I won't mention any names because I, I don't want to be critical, but you know, you, you'd open up and you'd see a, you'd see a player you didn't like. Unless Binkley. <laughs> no, a, we all know. He's a nice, he nice. He's he's a a good nice guy. guy. But there were some guys you'd say, okay, let's get past this guy. Let's, let's see if we got anybody really good in this pack. What yeah. About, yeah. What right? about company giveaways like uh, SO and uh, oh. Sheriff? Sheriff, the one first coins in 1960, uh, the Jello coins go for about 400 a set, 300 to 400. Uh, next year, and then they had the, they were same thing, uh, about 300. Then you had the metal ones are about 600. In 1968, 69, we had the expansion years. All oh, we all remember that. Yep. Okay. That was like the almost, there are some people who stopped watching hockey when they expanded. We all know this. Yep. But the expansion year of comic car coins is worth about 7,000, 8,000. Wow. There are coins in it worth a thousand dollars to two thousand that are rare, short prints and stuff, and people do collect them. But also, that was right after the Leafs won, and you know there was a lot of stuff happening. But the Toronto Sun pictures that sells those. for about four hundred dollars, nineteen seventy one. Mm-hmm. Um, the post marbles and the cereal bags. If you had the cereal box, remember? I checks? remember the post. Yeah, post. Post. They used to have yeah. the CFL. They used to have the CFL guys back there. The ones that I remember, I'm sure they had all kinds of other sports too. Yeah. On the back of the cereal box. I actually, I probably have two or three of those left. Well, the hockey ones, if you have a full box, not a full box, but an empty box complete, thousand bucks. 
because no one saved that and people want to get it now. Remember the, remember the, the weekend magazines had the full picture yeah, that's right. of the, this is bringing back memories because yeah. that's it. They don't go for a lot because a lot of people saved them. You know, I get yeah. scrapbooks for uh, some of the best stuff comes out of scrapbooks. A lot of people don't realize they think, oh, that old thing. And I, I talk about when I go into a house, they got all the good stuff, what they got on the table. And I'll say, this is $200, but that old thing over there is 2000 You know, what they don't, nobody wants that. Yes, they do. And this is where your sports memorabilia, because people like you. Who buys the stuff at, at those prices? I mean, not everybody wants to spend $7,000 on a hockey card or, I mean, some people, if they have them, they or want to sell point, them. But who, who's, who's, the, where, who's the market? 3.2 million on a Mickey Mantle card. So you better get a better job. <laughs> <laughs> that's for a rookie. 3.2 3, million. That's, yeah, but that's uh, the rookie card. That's U.S. Yeah, that's the rookie card. Uh, but in nice yeah. shape. On um, uh, they, they just want to – you've gotten to the point of your life where you've got everything else and you just want to recapture your childhood. And I mean that. Yeah. I mean you want to be able to look at something and smile. You look at your wife and smile, but she's going to be there. But you want to look at something else and say, I remember. The I'm going to tell you this. How I got into cards, I'm at a comic show in 1975 or 76. And uh, I remember this guy had the Babe Ruth cards, 1962. <laughs> you might remember the Babe Ruth. I remember all, that one. There are 10 in the set. Yeah. I may have. I think I still have one of them. Well, they go for – now they're back then. But like, not, in, not in any investment-grade condition, obviously. Yeah. But – but I bought it, bought the 10. Yeah. By the end of the show, I owned the whole set. Yeah. I was just one of those people who said, well, there's more to this. And I just kept on going. The guy I was with said, you're crazy, you know, and I got it. But it, it made me smile. Oh, no kidding. At the end, of, like I had it and it, I brought back memories because I, how old I was when I first collected it. And my father made me throw it out. I had it in one of those, <laughs> I had it, you know, those apple, six quart apple boxes. That's what I was storing my collection in. I mean, it was in the basement. And what are you doing with these? Threw them out, you know. But the investment, when you're saying about who buys them, there are people who buy them up to 100, 200, 300. Yeah, is the people who buy them for 20,000 or 50,000 are, um, Secondary they're investing. They're, they're investing. investing. There are, the Mantle set, there are many sets that people have in their basement. A little stack of cards, like the T cards, like, um, first 1911, uh, uh, hockey set is worth about 35,000. Yeah. But there's one card in it, if you have that, number 37, that's worth about another 100,000 wow. on top of that. So this is why people have it in their base. There's a lot going on with this hockey collecting. So, so what is the rarest card you, you've ever had? <sighs> Not the mantle. Mantle's the worst, the most expensive. I've got other cards that are, I'm trying to think over the years, uh, probably the 1937 Lalonde. Uh, number, number number 37 Lalonde that I've had my hands on. There's only one known, I've only seen one copy. And there are other short prints out there, you know, but there are cards, but, it, and the more expensive it is, the easier it is to sell. This is the thing. This, it, the easier, uh, if you have a set because of like, because it's rare. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and there'll be many people if you've got, cause, the, the idea of collecting is to complete it. It's the guy who's got number one, two, three. He doesn't got number four. He's got five, six, seven. He's out for number four, whatever it is. And he's trying to get his best collection he can. And those people will pay. And that's when you, everyone, 25 guys missing number four, they're on it. If you've got a number, a nine, uh, like a grade nine, uh, which has been PSA'd, you know what I mean? It's worth, um, there are going to be people who collect in those kind of sets. 
Okay. Paul, yeah. uh, you, you know what live radio is all like. I know. And you, you know what the time says here. I know. We haven't got much time left. And, you know, we've only, we've only scratched the surface, which means we got to get you back. I want to go uh, to But that. you tell me. We'll, go we'll do that off the air. You Tell tell our listeners, uh, tell us, tell them a little bit about yourself. Uh, we didn't, we only scratched the, the you're in the whole collectibles market. Yeah. Uh, you can talk, talk a little bit about your show. You got a minute left. Hey, I've got, had the first card shop in Canada and back then, and I just enjoyed it. You know, when you got back, I get up every day enjoying what I'm doing. But now the cards are it's so few and far between the nice collections. And now I'm, we're helping people downsize. What we do is help them down, downsize. And people have other stuff they don't know. If you've got a... So a if, if anybody want, has stuff that they want to sell, they can contact you? Oh, yeah. Uh, tell them where they get a hold of you. Uh, I'm at 905 737-4653. And I give my cell number. If someone's out and wants yeah. to know, 647-298-8989. And listen to the consignment heroes. Yeah. Son, tell us about your show. What do you oh, talk our, about? We On our show. 20 seconds. 20 seconds. <laughs> I don't care. I can't say it all. Uh, we run out of show before I run out of stuff to say. It's about stuff. And it's about items that people don't know about. We're trying to help people not get ripped off. Thanks, Paul. Paul, Kenny, the consignment heroes. You got to come back. Naz, last word. Bills win today. (laughs) To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in next Sunday morning. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.